Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Jeff Henderson. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome back to Launch University Podcast. Jeff Henderson with you. And I'm here with one of my favorite people, favorite leaders, and uh, Tim Elmore. It's just so great to see you always. And thanks for, we're actually doing this at your Growing Leaders office. So thanks for letting us barge Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Always good to have you. Now, how long have you been here in this location? In this location since 2010, so okay. about seven years. All right. Yeah. So before we dive into Tim's great new book, I just want to pause a little bit and for, for people that have a dream of launching something mm-hmm. like this. So you had a really good gig working with someone that everyone's heard of named John Maxwell, and yeah. you decide, you know, I'm going to launch kind of my yeah. own thing. So tell us a little bit of that story, and then we're going to dive into the book. Well, I, sometimes I think the purest leadership arises from within, not from without. It's mm. a, it's an, an anger or a negative emotion that stirs us up, and we say somebody ought to do something. So I was working with John Maxwell, and originally we had the academic world, the young world, right. the student world, as part of our part of our radar. And John took it off and said, we're just going to focus on international at Equip. And I got mad at him, and I sat down <laughs> with him twice. And we have kind of an uncle-nephew sort of relationship. So I was, I was very free to say, what are we doing? And he said, well, you should, if you think you should do, do, you know, then do it. And with his blessing and much fear on my part, we launched uh, in 2003 officially, got our 501c3 status. We're a nonprofit. But um, it was very scary. And I would say I was probably two years late. I think mm. the, uh, the seed of the idea, the kernel, was actually in 2001, right after 911. Mm. And I just was scared. And I, I waited and, I don't know. And finally, I had friends in my life that said, you should do this. And thank God for good friends, guardrails, mm-hmm, Andy would mm-hmm, say, our friend mm-hmm. Andy. And um, they pushed me out of the proverbial comfort zone and, and no regrets. It's been a great, great journey. So those friends really helped you deal with the fear, I guess, because yeah. every launcher and leader that wants to launch something, there's a natural fear. And that's, yeah. sometimes that's a good thing, but yeah. but those friends really helped to kind of push you out? No doubt about it. One, I remember at 11 p.m., Chili's snack time in Louisiana, <laughs> where Morgan Hill, my good friend, he just heard me talk about, you know, changing the world, making a difference, and all those pithy cliches that I would use. And he said, well, why don't you do that then? You know, and I thought, dang it, that was just a talk, you know? Yeah. But um, I tell you what, I remember having a lunch shortly thereafter, and there were three of my closest friends, including Morgan, and all four of us chimed in with $2,500, and we said, I think with $10,000, $10, we can launch this thing. And so we did all the paperwork and everything else, and um, in September of 2003, it was officially launched. But it was friends. I don't know. I'd like to say I would have done it anyway, but Mm -hmm. I think I needed people just saying, we're not going to let you drown Mm. uh, as you walk on the water, that sort of thing. Don't you hate when people speak your messages back to you? (laughs) Can can I quote you? (laughs) I want to hold it, you know, la, 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 la. (laughs) So it's been an incredible ride, and I've been able to to be on one of your boards and yes, uh, see yeah. the, the great work that you're doing here. And uh, just any quick lessons that in, in these 14 years? Mm, wow. I would say, I want to take you to a conversation I had with a university student last year. Um, we were talking about the young generation and my generation, the older one, and why we're different. And this student said to me, Tim, I think the problem with you people, you older people, is you're afraid to click. 
And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, we, we, we millennials or Gen Zers will get online and we'll just try it until we learn it. We're so afraid we'll lose the document and we'll lose it. <laughs> we don't click. And I feel like in today's world, you don't need a lot of stuff together. Just try it out. The, it's the shooting of bullets before cannonballs, like mm-hmm. Jim Collins taught us. Right. And I think the lesson I learned was just try it. Ready, fire, aim sometimes. Mm-hmm. Now, you want to get it right, but so maybe start small and start with a pilot. Uh, but I, I think I wish I would have done even more of that mm-hmm. early on to really tweak and get it, get the recipe right and then mm-hmm. and then go big. Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, in this new world and wherever you, however you're, what you find yourself listening to this, whether you're a millennial, you're an older leader, leading millennials, and just there's just an interesting world in yeah, which we is. live. You've written this new book, Marching Off the Map, which I think ties direct. I love the title that, that mm-hmm. talks about yeah. this, we're going into a new direction, yeah. marching off the map. So tell us about that title and how it applies to, to people that, that are listening to here on Launch University. Sure. Well, I actually stole the title. <laughs> from Alexander the Great, centuries ago, yes. Um, we, I think we discussed he didn't have copyright on That's right, that's right. But he literally was this aristocrat that grew up in a very wealthy home, was tutored by Aristotle. Can you imagine your wow. mentor being Aristotle? Yeah. But um, he's a warrior, and he, he gathered three armies together, marched across the known world, conquering every bit of territory along the way. But he didn't stop there. Even when the maps ended, he kept marching into uncharted territory. And he was known to frustrate some of his soldiers. He turned them into map makers, where they literally had to map as they marched and draw mm-hmm. the territory. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what a picture that is of where we are today. And I don't mean to overspeak or hyperbolize, but I think whether whatever industry we're in, we're marching into new territory, and the old maps didn't work. Uh, in fact, you know, uh, early in the book, I talk about... Have you? Jeff, do you remember seeing a map from antiquity, one that was drawn maybe two or 300 years ago? Yeah. They always had a dragon in the front top right corner, <laughs> right. as if to say, this is the world we know out here, be afraid, be the very dragons, afraid. And right. that's how we still live. We just are afraid to try something that's not proven. And I think, I think the, the world is calling for more pioneers and less settlers. I think we naturally want to be settlers who, who move in only when they know it's safe. You know, it's just easier. And even growing leaders, I don't think I'm a brilliant pioneer, but that was my real big chance to start something. And now I don't want to do anything different. Mm-hmm. This is, I feel like I'm doing what I was built to do. Mm-hmm. So that's, got, that's kind of where the title came from. And my application is whatever industry you're in, to simply do what you did last year, the last two or three years, probably will be your death sentence. It has to be fresh and current and new. Yeah. I remember, in fact, one of the devotions you did at one of our board meetings was about pioneers versus settlers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, it, you know, but to your, just your point you just made, it's two or three years. It's not 20, yeah. you know, it's That's what right. you did 15 to 20 years ago. Is, no, it's it's this rapid change. And we've seen change yeah. is inevitable, yeah. but but the the rapid change, yeah. that's what you're talking about. And how Absolutely. do you deal with that? Yeah. Well, uh, one classic story is Reed Hastings uh, had rented a movie from Blockbuster back in the 90s, and he lost it. He finally found it, and he owed $45 or whatever. So he went into Blockbuster, paid the ridiculous fine, but thought to himself, <laughs> there's got to be a better way. He founded Netflix. I don't know if you know this. He actually took the Netflix idea to Blockbuster and said, you know, you should do this. They thought, that's stupid. Well, I don't see any blockbusters right anymore, but Netflix is high and, you know, doing well. So that's, that's a good picture. If whatever we've mastered, 
beware mm-hmm. because we we're, we're tend to stay with what we mastered, what we're comfortable, what we're familiar, mm-hmm. and really what we need to do is, mm-hmm. is the, the dragon world that's scary. Now, you have such a uh, influence in so many areas, but particularly with educators and education, and, and that's just a rapid-changing world. You're obviously yeah. an expert um, in Generation Z and different generations. What, tell us, as you march off the map yeah. in this world, what, what are you seeing, particularly for those listening that, that have kids, want to yeah. have kids? Yeah. It's not enough just to drop your kids off to school and say, you know, how was the day? There's, yeah. there, and you talk about that in the book. I do, yeah. So uh, Gen Xers and Millennials are now having babies. Mm-hmm. And uh, the babies are from Generation Z or the Centennials. And they're basically the kids that have grown up in the 21st century. It's your kids, right, you know. Right. And mostly my kids, but uh, my kids were born in the 90s. So it's a very different world. In fact, Jeff, just a couple of tidbits that might uh, spark thought in, our, in your listeners. When you look at the data, the rise in social media, which we've all experienced, right. directly parallels the rise in angst, anxiety, and depression among mm. kids. So I don't think we have bad kids or wicked kids in our hands today, but the but the anxiety levels. Check this out. The average teenager today in America experiences the same level of anxiety that a psychiatric patient did in the 1950s. <laughs> wow. I know. So what we were institutionalizing back in the 50s, that's just normal anxious life. And so we parents will go, oh, bless his heart, he's so full of... And he is, or she, that we remove some of the, um, the pressures... And, and yet it's those very pressures they might need to be a good, the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very difficult, it's a very challenging time to be a parent or a coach or a teacher, but I feel like they deserve our best to become the best version of themselves. They need leaders who are both supportive and demanding, mm-hmm. and that's very hard to balance. I often find you find you in my head when I'm trying to parent my kids. <laughs> don't be the helicopter parent. Yeah, that's right. you know, yeah. don't, you know, let them let them let them fall down. Let them don't don't come and swoop them up. Yes, and I think we have a right. lot of swoop up parents, and it's hard. It is. Yeah, it's well intentioned, but I do think as we get across to thousands of schools across America, I think the average kid in America. This is my opinion, but believes that if they make a mistake, some adult will swoop in and save them. So mm-hmm. there's no real consequences, you know. And I feel like that is, um, that makes me happy today. It doesn't make me ready tomorrow. Because you and I both know as you become adults, there are consequences to right. not paying a mortgage or, you know, not mowing the lawn or whatever. So we're going to have to get them ready. When, yeah. you, when you were part of our uh, Helping the Next Gen Win series at church, you, you, you told this story real quick about, I think it was a bank president or something that talked about the yeah. interview. Can you share that real quick? Because oh, yeah. I think that ties into the swoop up. Uh, yeah. Jeff, we have stories all the time. And I could either make <laughs> your listeners cry or laugh for an hour. I think the story I told was um, how um, an HR executive had um, just hired some recently minted college graduates. Right. And uh, the graduates took the job offer and thanked them, but then they said, but now my parents need to interview you to make sure you're a suitable boss for me. Um, Yeah. We actually heard recently one um, (laughs) 22-year-old just out of college was being interviewed, got a phone call during the interview, took the call. And if that's not bad enough, they said, just a minute, and asked the interviewer, could you step out of the office? <laughs> I need to take this call. So I'm thinking, someone didn't get them ready. That's right. what it is. It's not a bad person. It's just someone didn't get this 20-something ready for the world. And, so, and all these kids, young people, I should say, got ushered to the door, and they didn't get the job because mm-hmm. 
mama was there or someone didn't get them ready for the for the world that's ahead. Now they're all kind of cultural trends and yeah. cultural you know, situations, but in the book you talk about adapting, not adopting. Mm, yeah. So talk about the difference of those two. Yeah, they're they're big concepts. They're not hard to understand, but I think it's very easy for us just to throw up our hands and say, this is where culture's going, so whatever, whatever, right. you know. And um, I think that's adopting. We just adopt whatever comes our way. I think we need to be critical thinkers. And I don't mean criticizers, but critical thinkers where we look objectively, we weigh it out, we have a moral compass inside. And adapting means I adapt to the realities. I'm not in denial, but I don't necessarily adopt that new reality. I, If I'm leading a young employee, if I'm leading a child, I am saying, here's what we're going to do in response to that reality. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's a a world of difference. And the metaphor I like to use is adjusting the sails. Mm -hmm. If a sailor is out in in a boat... And the winds are contrary. He doesn't just give up or he doesn't shake his fist at the wind. He pulls on a rope and he makes sure wherever that wind is blowing, it's going to take him where he needs to go. Mm -hmm. That's how we've got to look at this. Where's the wind blowing and how do we leverage this Mm -hmm. to get us where we need to go? So um, I try to cover that in the book of Mm -hmm. here's some very practical ways you can pull on that rope and adapt, not adopt. Right. Could you give us one example for uh, maybe a leader at work that might have a younger staff and trying to figure that out? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I love Jack Welch's idea that he came up with at least 20 years ago uh, called reverse mentoring. So we have young people coming in from a very different world. um, And very often, we baby boomers will just get mad at them. They're these lazy slackers that are entitled. (laughs) But I, I think what we need to do is do this thing called reverse mentoring. I think we need to impart to them the insights we have gleaned over the years, Mm -hmm. but then we need to listen for the intuition they have on where the world's going. So mentoring is going both ways, which gives dignity to both parties. Uh, The companies that I know that do this, and by the way, I do a lot of listening to my 20-somethings here at Growing Leaders, because they just have an intuition on what's going on. And when I say intuition, I mean that quite literally. I'm not saying they've read every manual that's out there on culture and business and so forth, but they just know. My son knows Mm -hmm. What's going on? And and so... Um, They're digital natives. So. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, uh, there's something I say in the book that, if, I, if you don't mind, I'm going to yeah. keep going on this. Um, Margaret Mead was an anthropologist. She died in 1978. When she died, she was probably the most famous anthropologist in the world. She said something just before she passed away that I think was prophetic. Um, she said, I believe human history, in human history, we've gone through three eras and she said, I think we're on the brink of a third era. And I think, Jeff, we're in it right now. Mm-hmm. The very first one was what she called the post-figurative world. And by that she meant if you're an emerging adult growing up in that world, you figured out post, meaning everybody's figured it out ahead of time before you. Uh, your marriage partner was chosen for you. You know, good luck with that. <laughs> your job was probably chosen for you. If you're a son, you did what your dad did. If you're a daughter, you did mm-hmm. what your mama did. And, you know, you just perpetuated the customs that have been going on for centuries. With the dawn of the Enlightenment and later the Industrial Revolution, she said we moved into a co-figurative society, meaning now the emerging adult and the established adult figured out life together because Mm. reason was king. We hold these truths to be self-evident. She said, I see us now moving into a pre-figurative world where now the emerging adult will figure out life life faster Mm. than we adults Jeff, I feel that every right. day. And I try to stay up on everything, but uh, I, I often joke, here's an anecdotal illustration of this. 
if something goes wrong with my iPhone, I give it to my son, Jonathan, who's 25. <laughs> he figures it out in five minutes. And I say, how did you know to do that? And he says, how did you not know? You know? I mean, that's exactly the conversation. So maybe some that are listening today are young, but just know the older you get, the more you feel the gap between the intuition and, mm-hmm. and where you live. Yeah. And is that one, I mean, one of the things, one of the many, many things I just admire about you is you, you have, you've stayed young. You, you, and that, is that, because you're around? I think so, yeah. And so I don't always people? feel young. But um, yeah, I think staying around our end user, the mm-hmm. high school student, the college student, the grad student, the young employee, mm-hmm. um, it keeps us fresh and, and we kind of hear what they're thinking. And sometimes it's zany and sometimes it's exactly what I need to hear mm-hmm. just to stay current. So yeah. I really think this listening thing is cannot be overrated. Yeah. Now, you marching off the map also includes a what you call an interactive travel guide. Yeah. There's research. So, mm-hmm. so unpack this for yeah. us and the, resor- the resource that this is. My hope was, and Andrew McPeak and I did this together, was that the book would share fresh content that would make you think. But instead of trying to write in the margins, oh, I, th- I like that idea, this travel guide would literally be an interactive thing where you could scribble down the ideas you're getting from reading chapter seven in the workroom or the classroom or the boardroom. Mm-hmm. So it's literally a place where you can map out your game plan as you, as you think through, uh, for instance, one of the big ideas we talk about in the book is metacognition. It's sweeping the educational world right now. Metacognition is usually what teachers do in the classroom, but the students don't do, but it's exactly what the students need to do to learn. It's thinking about your thinking. It's, it's actually putting yourself in the shoes of the, of the teacher and saying, what do I need to understand to pass this on? Well, most of metacognition is not happened by the students. Student says, feed me, feed me, you know, right. or in a church, pastor, feed me. Right. Whereas they need to do the metacognition. What do I need to do to understand this, practice it, and then pass it on? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I try to give some examples and so forth, but then I'm hoping the readers will get that travel guide and say, here's four things I could do at my workplace mm-hmm. to make sure my team is practicing metacognition for their job and not just needing my cues for... You know, everything they do. And that's, maybe this is just a pet peeve of mine, but I hear this statement a lot of times that education is the key to your future. And I think that while that may be true, I think it's learning is the key Mm -hmm. to your future. And so I think what you're talking about is this this idea that we need to become better better learners. No doubt about it. Do you remember hearing Angela Arendt speak before? She's spoken at at some of the conferences Mm -hmm. we've been to. She used to be the CEO at Burberry, a a nice trench coat company in Mm -hmm. London. When she first came in, the brand was on a decline, not an incline, and she was brought in to save it. First thing she did was she sat down with her youngest employees, not the executives, in fact, including the interns, and said, what do you think we need to do? And she listened as this CEO. And then she flip-flopped what we usually do as leaders. Instead of saying, we came up with some ideas as the executive team. Now you interns go implement it. <laughs> right. It was interns, you tell us what to do. We've got the budget and the contacts. We'll practice this. And one of the ideas they came up with, which is so brilliant, was the art of the trench. Customers could post pictures of themselves. We like to do that. Post pictures of themselves on the website. And if you scroll through the Burberry website, you can see pictures of people, selfies sometimes, you know. Well, it just took off. Mm. But it was because she listened and built a culture of trust where it wasn't just these peons and then these, you know, ivory tower people. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's critical today. 
Um, so that was just one example of how a leader how a leader was willing to listen. Now, and that may be a great idea too to, for for a leadership team to to use marching off the map and the travel guide um, so that they kind of bridge mm-hmm. the gap because typically yeah. a leadership team's a little older. Yes, and you're right. You know, so it, would that be a good idea? Absolutely. In fact, I think some of the chapters the 25 year old go, yeah, that's right. I've been saying this for five years. And, and then others will say, yeah, we need to do this. Mm-hmm. So two of the terms I use in the book that I think might be a helpful handle, mm-hmm. I believe the key to leadership today is being timely and timeless. So mm-hmm. timely, Explain those. Yeah. Timely is I understand what's happening in culture today. I'm not antiquated. I fully get what's going on. I don't always like it, but I, mm-hmm. I get what's going on. But timeless means, and I can reach back in, in the past, maybe to our grandparents' generation, mm-hmm. and say, what virtues and values do we not want to lose mm-hmm. as we stay timely? So you and I talked about artificial intelligence a minute ago before we started this recording. Which I'm very scared about now. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. T- Tim got me scared here. So anyway. <laughs> well, well, you know, we all want to be timely and be making progress, and we want to be on the cutting edge. But if we don't take a compass with us, a moral compass with us into that future, it could be very scary. And now we're having dilemmas that we didn't need to have if we would have been timeless. So timely and timeless are the, the watchwords of the, of the day, I think. And before we start recording, you, you talked about the fact that um, morals always have been important. Yeah. But now as we go into yeah. artificial intelligence, yeah. and it's just it's, that's where we're going to find the answers versus yeah. necessarily two plus two is four. It's, they're moral issues here. Absolutely. So centuries ago, we lived in agricultural age. The, the key was our muscles. Then we moved into the industrial age. The key was our machines. The, now we're in the information age. Mm-hmm. The key is our minds. Mm-hmm. I believe we're moving into the intelligence age with virtual reality, artificial intelligence, even our device. Every, every device we have will be intelligent. And I think the key critical component is going to be our morals because we'll be faced with some realities, Jeff. As I mentioned before, I don't even know if we're ready to have a conversation about that. Mm-hmm. And we think we're fine, but I think uh, bots uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, some of the things I just talked about are going to be issues that are going to be in our face and our young employees and or our children will be asking questions and it's topics that our parents never talk to us about, nor do they have to. And we're going to have to have that conversation to make sure we're instilling a set of morals mm-hmm. inside mm-hmm. where they can go, I know that's not right. Mm-hmm. I know that is right. And yeah. to do that, you have to go to Timeless. It's true. I believe we do. Well, here's a silly, silly example, but whenever I get in front of young professionals, I always say, I will always hire an honest employee over a dishonest one every day, every day. I will hire a disciplined person over an undisciplined person every day. So we'd all agree, whatever your background is, faith-wise, there are some timeless stuff we want to have in our team. Those are the things we're going to have to find ways to translate for a younger generation Mm -hmm. because we now know, wow, we know it's timeless, but the way I say it probably feels like a lecture to my children. Well, yeah. this is one of the many reasons why marching off the map comes at the perfect time. Um, what else? And then I want to transition just okay. a second to what are you learning from launching this? But what else do yeah. you want to hope that you hope to accomplish for for your readers that when they get this? Well, in light of what we just talked about, the timeline, timeless. I, I I have a chapter called swing sets and plumb lines. It's two metaphors that because they're pictures, they're easy to understand or maybe remember. I believe we need to hop on a swing set. Now, if you remember pushing your children on a swing set, mm-hmm. the first thing they say is, higher, daddy, higher, right? Mm-hmm. And you intuitively know to push them higher and more forward 
you have to pull them back further backwards, right? right? I think that's what good leaders need to do. Let's swing backwards into the past and say, what are those principles, virtues, and values that we do not want to lose? So, And the further back I go, probably the better I'm going to be able to swing forward on that swing set. So I need to ask questions like that. What was our heritage? What were we trying to do when we started this organization? Have we veered off track at all? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we swing forward and say, now what are the current needs of society? And are we still doing that? But the plumb line metaphor, I love. I just love this. Uh, it's been a long time since I've ever seen a plumb line, much less used one. <laughs> but you know plumb lines are those strings or cables with a weight right. on the end of them. And um, fishermen could use them to plumb the depths of water, but then builders, Jeff, would use them, and they would hold them next to a wall that they had just constructed to see if the wall was crooked, because gravity would pull that line straight down, Mm -hmm. and you could see if that wall was an inch off or two inches off. I think every organization needs to have plumb lines Mm -hmm. that says, we're getting off, we're getting off here, Mm -hmm. this is not what we said we were going to do. Because mission creep, remember that term? That's right, right. Mission creep happens. You see it and I see it because in the, in the interest of doing more and better and making more money or getting more people, mm-hmm. we just tend to drift. And so the plumb line is what are those five or six statements mm-hmm. that are going to hold me in place mm-hmm. and make sure I go where I need to go? That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, let's transition a little bit in the remaining few minutes that we have um, to, for, for launching this. Okay. Uh, there's, there's the book content and then there. now we have the book. Now yeah. how do we launch this. Uh, you've written so many books. You've launched an organization. What are some principles or lessons you use to launch this that are consistent? Maybe what are some new lessons on launching? Okay. Well, I certainly don't think I'm an expert. I, I feel like we're learning something every time we do it. And I really have a great team around me. Uh, Chris is our director of marketing and Holly, you know Holly, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and Matt and Jim, just such a great team. And most of them young. So they've got that intuition right. that I may lack. Mm-hmm. But when we launch Marching Off the Map, um, we have learned, Jeff, creating a new resource is basically a two-year project for us. Mm. Now, maybe we're slow. Maybe anybody else could say, I can do that one year. But um, So you kind of have to psych yourself up. Think, think two years in advance. So we're creating content. We're a content company. But it's a two-year journey from the beginning of creating those folders and putting quotes in and stories and facts and data and putting them all in the files you need to the release of the book, it's 24 months for us. Mm. Now, we have learned a lot from, from organizations. And let me give you a few that we've learned from. Mm-hmm. So we love Donald Miller mm-hmm. and his brand script. So right. he really talks about every organization is telling a story. And I'm right. sure listeners have heard this, but there is a hero with a dilemma, and that hero needs to be our customer. We're not the hero. Mm-hmm. By the way, that was the mistake I made early on. I had this Growing Leaders website, and we are heroes. We're going to help you. We're Superman, and you're Lois Lane. You know, you're, I did the same thing. <laughs> I did the same. Like, oh, that's right. We're not the hero. Yeah, it makes me feel better, Jeff, that you did that too. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm arrogant. I just thought, well, we've got the answer. Yeah. But instead, it's, no, you're the hero. We are a guide. We're Yoda. You're Luke Skywalker. Right. And we had some helpful, helpful solutions to help them become a hero. So Donald Miller was key. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Walker has a product launch formula that we have used. And the big idea, he has many ideas, but Jeff really teaches the fact that if you're going to launch something to whet the appetite of any possible consumer, you've got to have several freemiums, things that you're giving away free that gives them a taste at no expense to them. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Anderson wrote a great book years ago called Free. And he says the economy is moving to free. If you think about most content you get, it's free on YouTube. 
So you've got to have enough free stuff to build toward the stuff that's mm-hmm. going to cost mm-hmm. them. So Jeff Walker is really key. Robbie Eager was very helpful to us. He's a marketing genius. He helped us create value statements. So instead of doing a feature dump, here's the features of this marching off the map book. It's really good. It's good grammar. It's, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know? Right, right. He says, tell them what they're going to get. What's in it for me? You know? Right. So talking about the values, the, the benefits rather than the features is, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. huge. And then one last one, Shannon Litton. She lives up in Nashville. She's got a great company called 5x5. Five Five. She, she just said a statement that has become so true. She said, we, we had just put out the Generation IY book. Mm-hmm. Remember that one? Absolutely. And she said, you talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And when you're finally tired of talking about it, talk about it some more. <laughs> you know? So, you know, you think everybody knows. No, they don't. You know. But um, you just have to talk until you're absolutely ready to fall over and die, mm-hmm. and you probably still need to talk about it more. So we 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 talk a lot about at, at Gwinnett Church that leaders are repeaters. You got to yeah, say it over and over so again. So true. I love that. And I tell the story that at Chick Fil A, I can remember when Truett Kathy, the founder of Chick Fil A, said, "Hey, from now on, I would like for us to say when a customer says thank you, we say our you know my pleasure yeah. versus." Well, that took about seven years for that to oh really gosh. you know really Stick. Yeah. yeah, and uh, he just. I mean, he didn't. He didn't get mad. He didn't issue a policy statement. He yeah. just kept saying it over. Yeah. You know? So, and anytime I'm in a Chick Fil A and I say thank you and I hear my pleasure, I go, huh? Am I doing the same thing? Yes. That did? Yes. Because that the only reason this exists, this experience just happened, is because he just kept saying it over and over again. No doubt about it, Jeff. The other stuff I would say uh, before launch of launch of anything getting the right people to endorse the resource. Mm. You know, it's third-party endorsements. People listen to somebody they know, especially if they don't know you. Mm-hmm. So if you'll look in the front of that book, there's three or four pages yeah, of I saw that. people from the NFL or the Alabama Crimson Tide mm-hmm. or whatever. I had and, a problem with that, by yeah, the way. I did. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I thought you would say, well, if anybody needs it, they <laughs> sure need it. Yeah. Right. So, uh, but you know what I'm saying. You just, you need to borrow the credibility sometimes of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's huge. Pre-order sales is huge. So if you're a content or a resource person, you want to get some pre-orders because anytime you can do it before it's been launched, everybody feels, ooh, I got something before it's out yet. Mm-hmm. The galley copy of the book or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, one thing that was big, we learned this with IY, we wanted to get 75 to 100 reviews, book reviews on Amazon when the book came out. So think about it. You see IY, you go, I think I know that Elmore guy. I don't know. He's, he's not Andy Stanley. But you go to Amazon, oh my gosh, 100 people done a review of this book. And it's got four and a half stars. Well, that helps. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just borrowing from where you can borrow. So mm-hmm. I would recommend anybody that's thinking about launching something, mm-hmm. get those folks on on board before the somebody out there um, finds the book accidentally and wonders right. if it's good. Right. Yeah. And y'all do a great job on social media. Any social media tips um, for that? Yeah, you boy, you just want to gain impressions as much as you can. I think um, the thing that first comes to my mind, Jeff, is probably a no-brainer. So pardon me for my for my duh comment here, but um, I believe that the key to social media is obviously you want to get more and more followers and the key to followers is adding value. So instead of just saying, um, you know, here's what I did today, that's kind of fun, mm-hmm. but saying something, go, man, I want to follow it because I get something I can use mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. So it's something I think you do very well. Um, but I, I think we've got to make sure that we're lining up lots of stuff on social media that would be beneficial to the person out there, the Joe, John Doe, mm-hmm. 
um, so that we're adding value before we ever. And I think you want to do about a dozen add value um, tweets, let's say, before you ever try to extract value and say, would you buy my book? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They want to go, well, shoot, you've done enough for me. Right. So there's an exchange going on. And that goes back to the we're not the hero, you're the hero. We That's want to help right. you versus yeah. you helping, helping so me. So true, yeah. Well, Tim, this has been great. Ta- talking about that, how can we, how can we get the book? Okay. Well, we are selling it on our website, uh, matching price to Amazon. Okay. So they can go to growingleaders.com, mm-hmm. growingleaders.com. You can certainly get it on Amazon. And when you get the book, you automatically get the travel guide for free. So oh, great. it's just a companion to help you mark out. Mm-hmm. You know what we did, what, Jeff? You, you know this. You, you didn't want somebody to buy this book and it sits on a shelf. They, they read it back three years ago, but they can't remember. This travel guide is what's going to be key. Once they've read the content, now they've got a game plan, and that little white travel guide is what we want them to take them with them to the boardroom of the classroom. Yeah, I've never written a book, but I would imagine if you do all this work, you want it to be read. Yes, <laughs> not, not exactly, and somewhere. used. <laughs> That's yeah, right. I love what and Andy's so counterintuitive. You know, Andy used to say, you don't need to read it, just just buy it. I, <laughs> but but he, he doesn't believe that deep down. He says, no, I want to help you. So. Right. So yeah, that's that's what you shoot for every time you create something like this. Yeah. And final question would be how can how can our folks follow you on social media? Yeah, well, um, the number one thing that I think might be helpful is to subscribe to our blog. Okay. I blog three times a week, mm-hmm. and uh, it's easy to or me or somebody um, trying to do something very helpful on leading the next generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many of your listeners are the next generation, but um, growingleaders.com slash blog, and they mm-hmm. can subscribe, and we'll shoot it out each day, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, or a digest on Saturday, once a week. Hmm. Uh, they can follow us on Twitter, at Tim Elmore. Uh, but those are just easy ways to stay in touch, and we do love staying in touch with people that might be interested in the same things that we're interested in, helping get ready for the future, helping the young generation really be ready to stand on our shoulders and go where we were never able to go ourselves. Well, Tim, this has been great, and it's great to see you again. And, and you too. thanks for what you and your team are doing. It's it's a, as you mentioned, um, we're marching off the map, but I'm glad you're leading us. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we're marching for sure. <laughs> thanks, Jeff. And thanks again for being a part of Launch University Podcast. Uh, again, follow Tim, get marching off the map, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Launch University Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Launch University Podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.